If you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts. Over the last several weeks, we've been walking through and we've been talking about the Acts 2 church, the early church, what was happening there. We're in a series called Reset where we're trying to reset and recalibrate as a church and as individuals about what it means to follow Christ here in this incredibly crazy world that we're living in. in uh, early in our country's history in 1775, you probably remember this from one of your early history classes. Uh, there, it was called the shot that rang around the world, the shot heard around the world, which it inaugurated, it kind of jumped off. It was the beginning point of the 13 colonies and those American patriots who said, all right, I've had enough, no more oppression from the British parliament, no more, you remember this, taxation without representation. They said, we're done, we're, it's over, and it began. Now, listen, I wanna say this, the shot happened in 1775. There were things that led up to that. 1776 uh, in Yorktown was the final, really the, 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 the decisive victory where our French compatriots and uh, brothers in arms came and helped us as we overthrew and defeated Cornwallis there at Yorktown. There were still things that were left to be worked out, but a new country, a new world, a, a, a new nation was born called the United States of America. And, and I want to tell you, I'm, uh, this is not a song. I'm not going to sing. I am proud that I am an American. I thank the Lord that I'm, I was born here. I do want to say this, being born in America, I believe, comes with a great responsibility that we have opportunities that other places do not have. And for the gospel's sake, we should leverage those opportunities so that others might know about the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, throughout 1776 to 2022, there have been all kinds of incredible advancements. There's advancements in medicine. There's advancement in technology. There's advancement in, in government. There's Listen, we live longer today. We have better health today. We have health care. There are so many things that I'm really excited about that make my life and your life in many instances easier, more efficient. You know, one of the things that was a part of that revolution that our founding fathers believed in uh, was religious freedom. What I'm not excited about today is, is that there is a, a, a huge encroachment on religious freedom today. Huge encroachment. I think that it's been inching and creeping toward us for a long time. But in the last three to four years, it's like just burst out all of a sudden. And I want to make sure that you hear me on this. Uh, today's not a political sermon by any means, but I do want you to hear some things that I think are very, very important. You know, in the last two sessions of Congress, there's an act called the Equality Act that, if, that has passed in uh, the House of Representatives. It has not made it to the Senate, but I, I need you to hear this. If it is passed and it will keep coming up, religious freedom as we know it in our world, the United States will change. You need to hear that, okay? You need to hear that. Did you realize that there are bills in uh, legislatures, state legislatures today that are designed to limit even parents from being able to talk to their male boys, XY chromosome, that, that discourage them from being able to give counsel that you, 
I know what you're feeling inside, but you are a boy, you're not a girl. Do you realize as an LPC in the state of Tennessee that you cannot, if you go to counseling and you're feeling a, a, a gender dysphoria, you can't be counseled. They, they have no right to counsel according to law against that. Do you realize that in the state of Virginia, in the state of Virginia, uh, there was a uh, professor at one of the major universities who recently wrote a book l l trying to break open and make sure that we don't make pedophiles feel bad. Re redefining what a pedophile is. They would say, listen, you can't control who you're attracted to, so there should be no moral equivalency put upon that. Uh, they're no longer called pedophiles. It would be a map, minor attracted person. Folks, I'm telling you, our world is crazy. Did you, uh, listen, I'm an iPhone person. I love the, uh, I'm, I'm really any kind of uh, cell phone person. I, I, I think it's made our life easier. There are so many ways that it has really, though, screwed up our lives, okay? Did you, in, in the latest iOS update about to hit, did you realize, have you heard this, that there is now going to be an emoji that is coming out with the latest one? You may go, what's the big deal with an emoji? It's a, it's a pregnant man. Uh, folks, I want to say this to you. I want to say this to you. One of the freedoms that we have living in the United States is that we have the opportunity to actually elect our leaders. You realize that, don't you? Uh, it, it is a right and a privilege. And I, I would tell you that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to be involved in the electoral process. You should be involved. We have the word of God. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you realize when you submitted your life to Jesus Christ, you came under its teaching. <laughs> That's why it's important that we recognize that the word of God is true. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is immutable. That means it never changes. It's good for all cultures, all times, all peoples, all everywhere. Okay? Elections have consequences. So we should be involved I, I, and so when I say all of that, I need you to hear me. Legislation will change laws, but legislation will never change hearts. You realize that, don't you? Legislation never changes hearts. That is why we need believers in Jesus Christ who are active in the political system of the day. But we're also not just in the political system because some of us are very more, we're much more active in the political system than we are in the word of God. We're more active about knowing the laws of the land and what we want them to be than knowing what the laws of God are. And we have to be active knowing that the laws of God change the hearts of people. That's the only thing. It's only Jesus. Listen, we're in need of a revolution today. But I'm not talking about a political revolution. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a, a revolution of the heart. As believers, my question is, are we bringing our life under the lordship of Christ and saying, hey, uh, this is what the word says. I want to have leaders that help to represent that. I want my own life to be able to talk knowledgeably as I sit down with someone and say, this is what the word says. We can't convince them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But we, we need to know why we believe what we believe according to the word. You see, uh, again, I do think there needs to be 
a revolution today. But I need you to hear me. Uh, It's not a musket that we're shooting. It's not a bullet that's coming out. It's our mouth engaging with the gospel. That's the revelation and the revolution that needs to happen. Is believers, believers need to, Jesus, what does your word say? What, how is it that you want me to proclaim the gospel today? Ultimately, you realize for us, it's changed hearts and changed hearts become changed people. We don't do the same things we once did. We live differently. And this is what we saw in Acts chapter two, that early church. There was a movement of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? It it fell, the Holy Spirit fell. He fell on the disciples. It looked like tongues of fire, it said. There was a manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit fell, their lives were changed. You know what they did? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, not I mean, they didn't devote themselves just to follow some leader. It was the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching what Jesus said, what the Old Testament, what the Bible, what the Scripture says. And they devoted themselves to the Scripture. They loved it so much that they began to live it out. They lived it out everywhere, every day. The Scripture says that they gathered daily in the temple and they gathered daily in the homes. They were devoted to the fellowship. The scripture says that they also, they were devoted to prayer. Why? Because prayer is the one thing that changes everything. Prayer changes everything. Today, I want you to see the second thing or the the next thing, I guess I should say. We've got a couple of more weeks left in this, but I want us to begin to look at this and I want us to see, here's the next thing that, that they were devoted to. They were devoted to proclaiming the gospel. And there's three truths that I want to see today and we're gonna move fast, all right? Three truths that I want you to see today. The first one is this. That means that would be, if there's three, I'm saying the first one, I want you to write these down, all right? Here's the first one. They proclaim the gospel boldly. They proclaimed the gospel boldly. Number two, they also proclaimed the gospel simply. They proclaimed the gospel simply. And third, they proclaimed the gospel continually. They were always speaking the gospel. To proclaim the gospel meant this, that they told everyone everywhere, whether it was their friends, their family, the religious leaders of the day, their politicians, their shepherd buddies, whoever it was, that Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm gonna boil this down really simply for you. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is Jesus. He is the good news. That means they talked about Jesus and what has happened in their life and that he was the fulfillment of all the things that the Old Testament talked about. They talked about Jesus. They didn't talk about the first synagogue of Bethlehem. They didn't talk about, they talked about Jesus because Jesus is the one who changed them. Look at Acts chapter 1, 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Zion read Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And if you're reading along, I hope you are. I want to encourage you. There's still time for you to be involved in our Bible reading plan. As we're reading through this week, you're going to read Acts 2 through, uh, I believe it's Acts 7, I believe it is. You're going to be reading in Acts this week, somewhere in there. Is that what it is, Elizabeth? 
Acts 2, 2, okay, I want to make sure. Ladies, Elizabeth Key will be teaching tomorrow night. You want to be here for women's Bible study. You'll have a small group and a D group, all right? So you make sure you plan to be here. Acts 1, 8 says this, but you, talking about the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That word witnesses, proclaimers. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He tells them, listen, you're going to go and you're going to proclaim the gospel, Jesus, and you're going to do that boldly. Now, I don't know if you've caught this or not. I've been using the word proclaim intentionally. I haven't been using the word share. I've been reading a book by a guy named Elliot Clark. His name, his, the, the, the book is called Evangelism in Exile. And uh, he is a missionary he used to be or he used to be a missionary in central asia he is from trained from the southern baptist theological seminary in louisville and he draws a distinction between sharing christ and proclaiming christ and he draws the distinction to say listen when you look in the new testament what you see in acts 2 is that the disciples though they were about proclaiming him you see sharing in some aspect is passive if I come to Austin and I say, hey, w w would you like some candy? You know what he has the opportunity to do, don't you? No, no. Uh, hey, Dan, would you uh, like to hear about that? The no. You see, you're, you're dependent on them wanting to receive it. As we look at Acts chapter 2, what we're going to see, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5, you're going to see they didn't ask permission. They just began to open up and begin to share. That doesn't mean they went and found a chair, got up on it, grabbed their scroll, and they begin to scream at people. What it means is, is that in their daily walk, in their daily conversation around the table, they just told why their lives have changed. They just opened up and began to share. They just opened up and began to proclaim. Do you remember in Acts chapter 2, we're about to get there. I'm about to give you a run of scripture, all right? In Acts chapter 2, the scripture says the Holy Spirit fell, Peter stood up, and he began to preach. He began to talk to them. He began to proclaim, you're the one that killed Jesus. God sent him. It was by his plan, but you're the one responsible. You killed him. He was crucified, and you did that. Uh, I need to say this to you. Uh, I want you to keep inviting people to LifePoint, but I need you to know when you invite people to church, that's not evangelism. When you invite people to church, I get to do the evangelizing. That's not evangelism. Keep inviting people, but I, you realize when you post the great Jesus meme and that's not evangelism. I asked you at Christmas, I said, hey, why don't you bake some cookies, go buy some Thin Mints, y'all remember that? And, and why don't you deliver them to your neighbors? I need you to know that that's good, but that's not evangelism. All of those things are a part of evangelism, but evangelism, proclamation is when we open our mouth and we tell someone about Jesus. It's not telling people about LifePoint. And I love LifePoint. I hope you know that. I've been on staff for 20 years and I hope to be for another 20 years. But LifePoint doesn't save you. We point people to the one who do, does do the saving. So evangelism, proclaiming is about 
Jesus. And that is what changed, that's what changed people in the word. That's what changed them. The word evangelism, the word evangelism is an English word that we get from a Latin word called evangelizo. Evangelizo comes from a Greek word called euangelion. And that word in scripture means to speak and to proclaim. The picture behind it is this. In the Roman world, Caesar was a god. And whenever there was a new Caesar that were, was born or inaugurated, who came onto the scene, they would send out evangels, literally the word evangels, who would go to the cities, to the villages, to the countries, and they would announce, they would proclaim, euangelion, good tidings, good news, a new Lord has been born. A new king has been inaugurated. And you know what? When they would go into the town and they would proclaim that, people in the town may look at them and go, oh, big deal. But it didn't change the fact that Caesar was their Lord. He was the one overall. Folks, when we're proclaiming Jesus, when we're presenting good news of great joy that was born in Bethlehem, we're walking in the good news. Acts chapter 2, look at Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41. 38 through 41, and Peter said to them, he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness, the proclamation, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and there were added to them that day about 3,000. Listen, he boldly proclaimed, you're the one that killed him, but there is good news in his name alone. He is the one who will change you. Look at Acts chapter four, Acts chapter four, verses one through four. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, they are the disciples, the apostles, the, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. They boldly proclaimed, knowing I'm about to be arrested. In the face of what's coming, I'm going to be arrested. I need you to hear me. If Jesus said, if they hate me, they're gonna hate you. What they're going to do to me, they're going to do to you. And if we as followers of Christ think that we're, that he was talking back then. He's talking to us today. He's talking to us. Look at Acts chapter five. In Acts chapter four, they're preaching, they're speaking, they get arrested. Notice in Acts chapter five, and when they had brought them they set them before, Acts chapter 5, verse 27 through 29, he, and they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, 
we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Whose name? Jesus. Yet here you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us, but Peter and the apostles answered them. Look what he said. We must obey God rather than men. They boldly proclaimed they were obedient. And folks, I'm telling you, there's coming a day for us where you're gonna have to choose whom you will serve, as Joshua said. And are we gonna stand and boldly proclaim Jesus? And I'm talking about in your home. When you're having a conversation one-on-one with someone and they begin to speak things that you know are antithetical to the gospel and against the gospel for those of you who'd like that, are you going to say, that's, I mean, that's not what the word says. Here I stand. I can, I can do no more. This is what the word says. The apostles, they didn't simply share the gospel. They proclaimed it boldly, and it cost them. And I'm calling out to us today, listener, follower, beware, to follow Jesus in our day is going to cost us. And the question is, is is he worthy of that? The question is, is you may not have realized the day and time in which you were living that this is what it's going to cost you, but this is going to cost you. And true believers are those who persevere to the end, the scripture tells us. This is the word. You may be called hateful, a bigot. You may be mocked. You believe that, John? You think somebody died on a cross and they rose again and they're, are you kidding me? You know what my response is always? And you think there are like UFOs, like people living out there. Some of you are going, uh-oh, you're getting a little close. No, I'm kidding. Listen, if somebody can, you, you, we have to be ready to, st- you're going to be mocked. You're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called, made fun of. And here's what I want you to hear. Every adult, every student, if you're a teenager in here, I need you to with me. I want you to hear this. If you have a BFF, a best friend who would make fun of you for this, then get rid of them. You need a friend in the church who's going to stand beside you. Okay. Because there's going to be a day in your school, in your workplace, where it is going to cost you to stand. And the question is, is will you stand? When it costs you your job and you don't know what to do, I need you to know there's going to be a church that stands with you. I I may not be able to pay your mortgage, but you may be able to move in with some of us. You got a friend, your best friend who says you're an idiot? Listen, I'll get you a friend here. Are we going to count the cost? Proclaiming the gospel is not out of convenience. It's out of command. We've been called to do that. And some of you right now are going, he's a little worked up. Yes, I am. Because we live in a day And I think too many of us just think we're in a lazy river, warm water floating around on the tube, and we'll just go wherever we want to go. This is called swimming upstream for us today, folks. So they proclaim the gospel 
boldly, but they also proclaimed it simply. Number two, they proclaimed it simply. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. I want you to see what Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul said this in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. We talked about this, manifestation of the Spirit, in, in, of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith not, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do, okay, do you remember, what did I say a little while ago? The gospel is simply. Anybody heard? Oh, y'all got to wake up. It's Jesus. You know what he said? He said, I didn't come knowing the latest philosophy. I didn't know the latest wisdom. I don't know the latest laws. I don't know what the latest song is. I don't know who's on the magazine. He says, I came knowing Jesus and that's it. I know Jesus, him crucified and him rose again. Folks, today, I think many of us, we can proclaim more about what's on TV, what's on the records, what's on the uh, social media, what's than we can about what's in the word and how Jesus by his word has changed our life. And I need you to hear this. It's simple. I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was blind and now I see. My life was in turmoil. You remember the blind guy that was drugged before the council and they started questioning him and he says, I, listen, I can't tell you anything, but I, 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 used, I couldn't see. You want to meet him? I'll go get him. I'll tell you about him. You know what your friends need to know? You know what your coworkers need to know? They need to know that Jesus changed me. My life was in shambles. I was strung out. My marriage was gone financially. But here's what I know. In the midst of all of it, Jesus changed me. I'm different today. It's that simple to testify about the gospel simply. Paul said, listen, um, when we have a picture of Paul, oftentimes we think of Paul like he's coming in, he's bucked up, he's walking into town, and he's just spraying gospel bullets everywhere. Did you, did you hear what he said? The man who was probably the greatest missionary of the day, he said, when I came to you, I came in fear and in trembling. Folks, do you, I'm going to say this, just a little, little, little true confessions here. When I come in here on Sunday mornings, my, my insides are a wreck. Because I stand before you with the word of God, the only words of life, and I don't want to mess it up. And then the Holy Spirit reminds me, Kyle, you're, you're not going to mess this up. Talk about Jesus. 
talk about him. And I want you to hear when he lays and opens a door for you with someone and you feel that little nudge and you feel it, don't you? You know. If you say you follow Jesus, you know what that is. You know what he's asking you to do? Talk about me. You know why he's wanting you to talk about him? Because he's already dealing with that person. Your life, how many times do I tell you, your life is not, a, you don't just live your life in a vacuum and everything you do affects you. Everything you do affects all of us. And he brings you into relationship with people and he's already been working. Listen, when, when Peter was sitting on the roof and he saw the sheet let down with all the animals and acts, you're gonna get there here really quick. Read with me in, these, in, in, these, in our Bible reading. Did you realize you're gonna see this. When that sheet came down, he had already been dealing with Cornelius, the centurion, saying, get ready, I'm about to send somebody. When the Ethiopian eunuch was traveling back and Stephen, you're gonna get there in Acts, I hope you're gonna join me. And Stephen is gone down, or excuse me, it's Philip. Philip is gone down and he speaks to him. God, God brings our relationships together. And he does that so that you have the opportunity, so I have the opportunity to simply proclaim the gospel. Not say, hey, Kelly, you want to hear about this? No. you. Listen, I, I just need you to know Jesus changed my life. That's proclaiming. It, it, it's not, hey, Zion, uh, you know, I feel kind of, Mm, I know you and I don't, you know, we're off a little bit on you believe it. No, it's just Jesus changed my life. You see, we're just announcing the euangelion. We're just the evangel. We're just proclaiming good tidings of great joy that Jesus was born. And he saved you. He saved me. And I want that for you so badly. That's proclaiming. That's how simple it is. Folks, I, I want to ask you to write a couple of things down real quick. When I come to try to share with someone, excuse me, to proclaim to someone the gospel, I'm usually wrapping it around four different words. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Those words roll through my mind. Do you realize that there was a time? George, do you realize there was a time when the Lord created the whole world? He created it perfectly. He created it perfectly. And he took his two first beings, Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden. And it didn't take them long. They, they sinned, they broke his law, they ate his fruit. You've heard that story, right? Yeah, well, that happened. That really happened. And because of that, I now have a sin nature. It's not because I sin, it's because I was born sin because of what they did. It's passed on. That was the fall. But you know what the Bible tells me? The Bible says this, that at the perfect time, God sent his one and only son, the son of God, Jesus, to come to redeem me. He died on a cross lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He was put in a tomb. He rose again three days later. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And you know what? He's praying for me right now as I'm talking to you, Austin. 
He's praying for you. He's praying for me. And if we would just surrender our lives, John 3, 16, most folks have always heard this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that if whosoever would believe in him, place their faith in him, he would save them. He would change them. They would have eternal life. There's a verse over a passage in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And that verse says this, those verses say this, that it's with the heart you believe, and it's with the mouth you confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse 13 says this, that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Kyle, I believe that for you. Is there anything that would keep you from that? Would you, I mean, today? You, I want you to know that there's a day, though, coming when he's going to restore everything that was wrong. He's going to make them right again. And when he comes, those who have submitted their lives and surrendered their lives will go to heaven. But it's only those. And today, you've told me you don't trust Jesus. And I need you to know, I believe very really that we'll be separated. And my desire for you is that you would surrender your life to him. Do you know, that took less than two minutes. Simple. Some of you are going, I don't know if I can do that. Well, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna move this out of the way. There's an app called Life on Mission. Please look at it real quickly. Life on Mission. I want you to download it. You can, it'll help you. I would love to talk with you about how to do that. But it's very, I want you to be able to do this. I want you to be able to do this. Some of you in here right now, you're thinking, ah, that was a really good, he modeled that for us, and I did, because I want you to be able to share Jesus. But I also want you to know there's someone in here today, several of you, who've never surrendered your life to Christ. And what I just shared, I desire, excuse me, what I just proclaimed to you, because I didn't ask your permission, what I just proclaimed to you I need to smile. (laughs) I want for you. Because I know there are people in here who've never surrendered their life to Jesus. I want to talk with you. Because he wants to change your life. The scripture tells us that they proclaim the gospel simply. But they also, number three, they proclaimed it. They proclaimed the gospel continually. They proclaimed the gospel continually. Acts chapter 2 tells us that because they devoted their life, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to prayer, they went to the temple daily, they sat at their homes around the table, and it says their life looked very different because the word changed them. The living word, Jesus Christ, invaded their lives. And now the written word made a difference. Where they once were worried about the kingdom of Israel, now they're worried about the kingdom of God. Where they once, if they had a shekel, a denarii, or a dollar, they were burying it, trying to hide it. Now they became generous, the scripture says. They opened their homes, their tables, their food, they said, come, brothers and sisters. Their lives were transformed by the gospel. And you're going to continue to see that in Acts as we read on. 
as you, you're gonna see, it was different. I need to ask you this, what would it be like? Can you imagine in your home, in your workplace, in your school, if you actually began to take the word of God and you devoted yourself to it and you began to live it out, what would it look like in your home if you took Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and it became your life? Do you know what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is? I want you to write that down. I want you to go see it. It is the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you realize your home would be completely different? Your home, your home. Do you realize your workplace where you were ready to fly off the handle and you're gonna spank somebody up? And they said, oh, he's a different man or a different woman. They're different. school, you're no longer this way, they're going to be asking, what's happened? And it gives you the opportunity to simply yet boldly proclaim the gospel, which is Jesus. He changed my life. I'm different. I'm not the same anymore. Let me ask you something. Does your life Show and live out the gospel. You see, one of the things that happened here in this Acts 2 church is that what they believed, the gospel they received, they began to live it out. So their words and actions began to match up. Let me ask you something. Would people say that you talk a good game, but you're not living that game? There have been days in my life where that would have been true. Listen, I don't want to go back to high school. Because there were days when I talked a game that didn't live a game. What does that look like for you today? Have you ever heard the saying, preach the gospel all the time, and if necessary, use words? I need you to hear me. You can't preach the gospel without words. You're, you have to proclaim Jesus because if you're just living a good moral life that people go, that's a good dude right there. That's a great lady. You know what happens? That all terminates on you and the glory goes to you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, let them see your good works and glorify who? Your father who is in heaven. So when they see your good works, do you know what that is? When your life matches up with what it is that you believe and they begin to go, there's something different about you. That is an open door for you to simply proclaim the gospel. Jesus, you see, I'm not the same anymore. I'm different. And I need you to know, when you start proclaiming Jesus, your life better match up to it. Because if your life, if you proclaim Jesus here, but it doesn't live itself out, stop calling yourself a follower of Jesus. You're hurting the rest of us. Folks, it's a strong word today. It's a word for me. 
You know what I've been praying in my life for the last week? God, make me bold. You realize I have the same temptation that you do to be in a situation somewhere and just keep quiet. Don't rock a boat. Folks, I want you to stand up in the boat and just start rocking it. I want to see some waves happening. When that begins to happen, people begin to go, there's something going on. Not because you just want to splash. It's because Jesus has made a difference in your life. He's called us to proclaim the gospel boldly, to speak it really, really simply, and to do it every day continually. You remember a couple of years ago, since I've been here, we had uh, a time where we had the two big black boards up, up here that are rolling, and we had little number ones, like who's your one, it was called. You filled out that little sticker one, and it had a name. You put a name on it, a first name or something, of someone you were praying for, that they might be, there might be an opportunity for you to share your faith with them. Let me ask you something. Have you shared your faith with them? Have you done that? Have you proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to them? If not, why? It's time. The rest of us who have come in the last couple of years, I'm asking you today, right now, where we are, where we're, where we are right now. When I say, who in your life needs to hear the gospel of Jesus? They, the gospel needs to be proclaimed to them. Is there a face that comes to your mind? It's time to proclaim it to them. If the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you, he has shown you a name, a person, then he expects us to be obedient and proclaim that. So I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and come on up. Here's what I'm gonna ask us to do today. Uh, some of you, I, I want you to have a new freedom and culture here to where you can come to this altar, this, the front of this stage, if you will, and you can get on your knees before the Father and you can intercede for your, for your one. Listen, uh, you can do it at, at your seat, but here's the thing. This is call for action. And I, I call you, not only to share your faith, but I'm calling you, come and pray. Turn, make your chair an altar. Get on your knees before the Father and ask him to go before you. Soften their heart. I'm gonna ask some of you to come. I'm gonna ask you if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, CJ and I are gonna be standing right down here and I'm gonna call you to step out and come. We wanna talk with you. Some of you, that's different, isn't it? I'm asking you. And, and if you're nervous right now, I need you to know there's nobody looking at you in this room. They're praying for you. Some of you may wanna come and kneel on this, at, at this front of this stage and begin to pray. It may give someone, oh, everybody's moving. I, I can go do that. Remember, we're not responsible for people's salvation. But if God's calling you to come and kneel and you don't, it's disobedience. If he's calling you today to surrender your life and you don't, it's disobedience. Father, I ask you right now, would you save people? 
God, would you do something today? God, would you move in our midst? God, I'm gonna ask you to save people. Maybe there's a man in here, a woman in here, a child that needs you as Savior and Lord. you'd like to pray with someone, maybe I just need someone to pray over me. CJ's here. I'm going to be here. Father, I'm asking you, would you be magnified in this moment? I'm asking that you hear the hearts and the prayers of your people here and in the seats. I'm asking, Father, that you would save people today. Maybe for some reason you're thinking, I can't go down there. Okay, well, here's the deal. I'm gonna be at the back right after this. As you walk out, then come see me there. Father, we magnify you, we honor you, we love you. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you stand up. Zion's gonna lead us in a song and we'll be gone. You don't have to leave the altar. You can stay here and pray. There's still time if you want to come down here and pray during the song. Whatever he's asking you, you be obedient.